going into my basketball. Every time I rock, man, this is how we rap around. Peace to my man. Now we got the camera out. Every time I spit it, cross over the Hello, everybody. This is Josh, also known as Yashu, and you're tuning into episode 29 of the TLOI Talks podcast. We're almost at 30 right now, but it should be set good to go once all these other episodes are done. <laughs> in that sense, too, for people to tap in. Thank you uh, for watching uh, today, and, you know, let's tune in uh, right now. <laughs> so uh, today we have uh, a former guest uh, that was back uh, for the interviews back in 20, 2021. I interviewed him uh, a while back, and we have crossed out in the building. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. How you doing doing all right man uh you know welcome back to tila well welcome to like tila talks you know for, for the very first time since this is like your actual first time on the podcast you know so yeah, live into so, the flesh yeah exactly and you know just interacting too you know because the last time it was like via zoom now we actually get to meet which is like very interesting to hear and all that you know yeah and it, it's been happening a lot like you know i met um I've been doing so many more like online collabs and then now the pandemic is over. So, yeah. you know, I got to meet uh, Imperative back in October and him and I had a song together. Like we've done work and stuff. So that was super cool. So, wow, yeah. definitely. So, you know, let's uh, get it started right here. So, you know, you got this upcoming album that should be dropping sometime this year. I had a dream. I didn't have eyes. And, you know, basically, you know, exp you explained it like kind of briefly, like on your press release and with everything else, too. But what can fans expect uh, for that project? And what's the creative process for that project? Yeah, um, this one's a little bit more different, but I feel like all of my projects kind of pick up in a spot where I left off. Um, and so this one, uh, I had a dream that I didn't have eyes. Uh, true story. <laughs> Happened a, a several times. Um, and it was just kind of came at a point where I was like feeling just depressed and lost and had no like purpose really anymore. I just, I didn't know what was going on. Um, and so felt very angry. So this album is very angry, just, um, a lot more fusion of, of rock going on and, um, but a lot more like aggressive rap tracks, you know, I wanted to kind of just get more into my bag of, of aggressive rap and just, uh, tap into that a little bit more and just, and just push myself sonically. So, um, that's, that's what we're going for with, with this one is, um, it's a bigger project too. It's eleven tracks as opposed to phone calls was eight. So yeah, you know, yeah, wow. Because I know like you released like Life at the Party, like the five year album release. Uh, well, the five year release just like last year. Yeah, added like maybe like three uh, tracks uh, to it. You also dropped like a lot of other singles too. Uh, one with uh, Creo. Um, one also with. I think uh, Free Cheers and you know like the Bottle Boy and then like Television with Imperative. And, you know, just getting back onto those, like, previous singles, like, what were, like, the creative processes for and, like, the inspirations for that? Uh, it, it all depends. Like, you know, I can tell you that uh, the creation for Bottle Boy is wildly different from the creation of television. Like, television was something that Imperative, uh, Imperative I had worked on. And then um, I felt like I wanted to touch on some political issues on that one. Um, and then three cheers came at a point where I was just, it was, it was mid album writing and it was like, I was just at such a low point, man. I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, and, uh, I was drinking way too much. Like it just, it started consuming my life. So that was sort of the point of like three cheers for the bottle boy. Never yeah. trust a man that like wants to die, you know? Um, 
so that that creation process and that creation process are different. They're all just it kind of almost like depends on like just life experiences yeah. or how the beat hits you too. Like when Creo hit me up with the with that beat, it was like, oh man, I could definitely see myself doing some more like chilledly back stuff. So I just kind of like yeah. you know went went on that one differently too. Yeah, no, most definitely because, you know, when you mentioned about, like, drinking and, like, the effects, like, that drinking had on you uh, for a bit, too, like, when you were speaking about that song, too, like, I realized around that time, too, with the pandemic, like, a lot of people, like, started to do, like, other stuff more, like, blaze up, you know, drink, all that type of stuff, too. Uh, But have you, like, felt, like, since you came back and all that, like, with the drinking, like, it could be, like, too intense at times, too, like, when going to events and everything like that, too, in that sense, or do you feel like it was like sort of like more so like a lifestyle thing that might have happened like way before like pre-pandemic? Yeah, it was definitely a lifestyle thing like pre-pandemic, Not you true. know. Um, and I, I had always kind of like, I, I touched on that. I mean, that that was like what life of the party was, Not you true. know. It was a, a storyline of the darker sides of of drinking. Um, and you know, you it's always funny. Like people are are just a, a contradiction in themselves. Like they'll talk about something that. Is like you shouldn't do this as much. Like you shouldn't party. Like yeah. that's that's bad. Don't do it. It's bad. <laughs> um, but you know, I I was at the same time doing that, and then it's still recognizing that 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 shit's like bad for you. Um, and then you know, man, man, like last year just really hit the ceiling where it just like, um, I managed to get control of it. Uh, and some people, some people can't, you know, yeah, right. um, so, but what keeps me grounded is I was just like, I was just changed up my yeah, lifestyles yeah. and I don't, I don't want that shit to, to hinder me anymore. Yeah. Nah, definitely, man, because I realized that too, with like everyone, like, I think when it came like to like the fall of like 2021 with events coming back and all this, the type of stuff going on too, I think like at times, like people didn't know like how to act at times. So people didn't know like how to react or kind of move around. So it's kind of like some people would kind of overdo like certain things too or others would just kind of like break the rules in that sense too to kind of like ha- make certain situations happen and all that like i could say like even with astro world to astro world uh, too and all that you know like a lot of people like were just like running over like pushing all these other people over and all that and you know making sure to get like a good like view and like overcrowd people and then like some even like breaking into like the venue and all that too and then like that caused like a lot of death so I do feel I do feel like I see like a lot of the effects too for people who were like kind of housed in for so many years, like not even for so many years, but like for so many months, and then to come back and to kind of get like the gas back in motion, like it kind of has like this crazy effect that you know people tend to have. Like there's no sense of like self control, like in that sense too. So yeah, in that case, you know, the only person that you're thinking about is yourself. And like, I mean, I do it all the time where I'm like, man, I don't don't give a fuck, you know, and I'll just, I'll just go ahead and and do it, like, regardless of of consequences. And then you got to deal with those consequences later, you know? Uh, No, I definitely know what you mean, man. And, you know, you have an upcoming uh, single right now, This the New Shit. Uh, It's actually dropping later, like in May, like next month, like around like mid-May. And then, you know, you also recently dropped like another single, like Anastasia with on cue like a well-known rapper like in new england and all that so for this the new shit um what's the creative uh process like for that song and what can fans like expect from it yeah this the new shit is like um 
my some of my favorite albums have uh, just a an introduction track that is obnoxious and completely like disregarded what you thought of them in the first place. Like for example, like Under Oath, uh, everyone expected them in the music industry to be like Fall Out Boy Part Two, and yeah. then they came out and released Define the Great Line, and their opening track is just obnoxious and intense. And same thing with Kanye did that on on Yeezus, and it's just like has the most brutal entry point and so this is the introduction track to the oh, album yeah. and that's the first thing that i wanted you to hear was it like it's just like just a shit talking song yeah. uh and it brings the mood like the the anger that i'm feeling yeah. in the album yeah. um and then that coincides with like the next one that we're gonna drop like we did a music video in tandem uh, like two music videos that kind of tell a story um so those two songs like go hand in hand and that was those were the first ones that i wanted people to hear to be like yo what the fuck is going on nah i definitely know what you mean man and like you know even tapping in for like anesthesia with onkyo because i think the last time i heard about that guy you know he made like a double xl freshman pitch yeah for like 2017 and all that and you know just kind of came with the black hat you know bald-headed you know like i think a lot of people compared him to like eminem or like another artist like in that sense to uh in the comment section but uh like what was like the inspiration and creative process for that track and how did you uh, manage to work with that guy um yeah so that was that was my boy jordell that produced it he's produced a bunch of my shit before oh. um and uh i was just writing and again it just kind of like it just kind of <sighs> wrote itself in a way i just kind of flowed through the track but i wanted to hit it differently different so we sat on it for like a year but um you know anki has been a huge influence since like i opened up for him uh back in the day like he did a show here at hard luck oh, true. and uh so i opened up for him and since then i've just kind of been more of a fan yeah. of him and and just watched him grow and yeah. um you know i had this track and he would just sound so good on this and then so i just i hit him up yeah they're like can we hear the track yeah send the track like all right cool um you know send it through and it was like boom like yeah. within a week we had that done and then i just sat on it for a while because it was just such a such a great song and and to have validation from someone like him uh meant a lot yeah. so uh, yeah, it's like an interesting uh co-sign from there and all that and like you know i was like listening to it uh today and you know i like the vibe it's kind of like more so like an actual like new school like track but even with the whole like 2014 to 2016 like influence like i i was thinking you know more so like g easy like skizzy mars you know with lowry like in that sense too like i kind of like felt that from that song too just with um you know the layered production like the layered background vocals like it's amazing to hear you know so yeah that's funny i mean i guess it would fit in that same kind of boat i didn't think yeah. about that but yeah, yeah. True, true. And, like, I think, um, I don't know, like, around that wave, like, I don't know if that was, like, more so, like, an influence that kind of came by, like, the whole, like, g Easy, Skizzy Mars, Whit Lowry, you know, um, Devon Baldwin type sound that, you know, you were, like, kind of, like, influenced by, like, a little bit, too, or? I, I mean, there was a period of time where, like, you know, during that, like, it was, like, 2016 when g Easy was really popping off. Uh, he had that second album. Um, that was, that was good. Um, Fun, he's the only concert I've walked out of. Oh, wow. <laughs> we went to go see him, like Logic, him, like YG, and we stayed for for it. We thought like Logic was was headlining, and uh -huh. then uh, it was like G-Eazy, but it was just like, 
I don't know. The, the show was just whack. So we were just like, nah, fuck, fuck this. So, uh, yeah, you know, but he's definitely like, yeah, he's had so, I guess yeah. everything you listen to has some sort yeah. of an impact on you. Because like G-Eazy's like first two albums, like I could definitely say were like classics, like in that sense too, like these things happen. And then also the one, I think it had like a lot of uh, other songs uh, too, like his 2012 uh, project, but I can't uh, name it, but like, I remember those two albums, like Tumblr Girls and all that. You know, I mean it. Yeah. A lot of that. Um, like uh this other song that sampled like differences by Genuine and all that. Like I felt like that album was like very like amazing to listen to too. And I felt like it had like that whole like a uh, unique uh, unique uh, vibe in that sense too. But then I think when he kind of meant went like mainstream uh with the new sound, it's kinda like, hey, you know, this is kinda like <laughs> The next, you know, Mac uh, Miller, like in that sense too, like Mac Miller, Eminem in that sense too, but not really in in that sense, you know? Well, he was one of those dudes, when I, you know, when you talked about him, people had a hard time understanding like what he was about because he like, I think like there was something weird about his branding because for the first two albums, you kind of got it. You were like, oh yeah, cool. He's like, he's like that, you know, greased back, leather jacket almost like 50s type character yeah. and then like somehow it kind of just shifted and you're like what yeah. what's going on yeah. um but yeah no the, you're you're right like those those two albums are great and i think they did change yeah. kind of the sphere in terms of like yeah. white boy rap at least yeah and then i think you know later on like i think he had some good albums but then i think when it hits like 2017 2019 it kind of became like more generic uh, for that sound you know for the clubs and yeah. you know radio to play too but I felt like, you know, him back then, like, he was, like, so hungry as well, too. And, like, you know, I, like, even, like, Jack Harlow, uh, too, like, I remembered, like, I would read comments. And, like, a lot of people would say that, you know, his other projects, like, Loose and, like, Confetti were better projects than, like, you know, when And the Kids Came Home or something like that. And also um, his first uh, album. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I heard this. Um, I forget who was talking about it. Maybe it was Talib. Um, but they were talking about how, like, white rappers get forced into this thing of, like, you know, eventually they kind of have to go the route of just being, like, an artist, like, doing something different. Because they have a hard time sustaining being a white rapper. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm just relaying this as, like, you know, this is, like, a potential. But, like, you know, it kind of explains, yeah, like, yeah. the route that they've done. Because Jeezy put out, like, a weird album, like, three years ago or something like I during think, the yeah pandemic. back in 2020 i think it's like more an experimental project and then i don't i didn't think like the reception kind of came as strong like i nah. didn't really like listen to it yet but then i think just a year later he released um like these like his uh, other ha- album like these things like always happen or something like that and then like it had like the whole like estg black bear songs and all that and then i think that's when fans like started to gravitate it now um but yeah i feel like he does play certain styles like here and there. And then like, I felt like one thing that I could definitely say is that he definitely pays homage to his roots. Like he's yeah. from the Bay area and all that he puts on for Bay area artists and all that, you know, he had E40, he had like cool John Pilo, all those other people. Like if you're tapping with like the whole like Bay area scene, yeah. like he's putting support for all those people on and like having them on his projects, having them like on his tours and all that. And like, it's good for this. So I can definitely say that he's not like a culture vulture or someone that's using his like privilege to sustain off of black culture. Like he's actually putting his own people like on in that sense too. So yeah, and it like you know a lot of the time now, especially because rap is so mainstream, and and at the time like when he was kind of blowing up, there was just 
at that concert, there was a lot of like white girls yeah. there. And yeah. so when he has an album that has E40, then you're exposing those white girls <laughs> or E40, other yeah. white white people from yeah. the suburbs <laughs> to E40 yeah. or like YG or whatever. Really. Yeah. So that shit is important. So Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, just getting back on to the, top, uh, the topic right now. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, you know, with live shows, like, coming back, like, in, like, since, like, the fall of, like, 2021, you managed to perform at some shows uh, lately. I think uh, last year, you and I think uh, Melodica and, like, Creo had um, a show, I think, at uh, the Garrison, or was it, like, at another venue? Yeah, it was at the Monarch. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Monarch. Uh, true. So, like, e- even in that sense, too, do you feel like that live music has started to get back to normal since the pand- the pandemic in that sense? Yeah, uh, but there is, like, um... There's a carefulness around it, um, and I just, I still feel this way where um, you can't you can't just book dummy shows anymore. Yeah. Like the the days of like asshole promoters is like yeah. becoming few and far between. Like that that shit just doesn't run. Like venues don't want that either. Like if you're not able to put on a good show they're not going to want to work with you. So many venues lost their asses during the pandemic, so why would they continue to work with some asshat that's like doesn't know how to put on a show? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, in that sense, I think it's been good. So, And that's really strived us. Like We, we did a show at the Piston in February, and it, that shit was sold out, really took the time to plan it out and get everyone involved and made sure everyone had a fun night, made sure all mm-hmm. the artists got paid properly, like, uh, and and that's what music is, is supposed to be about. Like everyone has fun. We went there. We did our jobs. Got on stage, filmed it, and like made sure all the artists were taken care of, and everyone that came out was like yeah. safe and had fun. And you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know, like, even with certain venues too, like they do put on for certain artists too, and for the promoters, like for small artists, for like small promoters, like, and it's even evident for the small venues. Not more so like the big venues, like let's say like a Garrison or like the Phoenix Concert Theater, because like a lot of them they'll have like these shows. Like, but is there like an incentive to kind of get the room going to kind of put on for some people? And like others don't really want hip hop like at certain shows too, like on how strict with the insurance and everything too. So even with certain artists that don't even merge onto that sound, like it's even like hard to even book those venues too. So. I do feel like they are kind of playing uh, politics and only putting, like, the big promoters, like, on the side, too. Like, Rap Season, Embrace, Live Nation, MRG, Collective, and with the smaller promoters and the smaller people, like, that want to, like, have those shows, it's, like, a process. It's, like, kind of like a whole, like, call ticket, you know? You're going to have to take this uh, call ticket number and then wait, like, maybe, like, two to three years or maybe, like, eight to nine months to even, like, book, like, a date for the venue and all that in that sense. Yeah, um, for smaller venues, you know, a lot of the time they'll give you kind of like the Piston gave us um, gave us a day uh, on like a Thursday because they're like you know Friday to Saturdays those are our biggest days like don't take that away from us type of deal and we don't know you but once you start establishing yourself as someone that can put on shows and good shows, um, then the venue is going to want to work with you, right? So you know you're having a little bit. Yeah, you like you just gotta build your cred. Yeah, a little bit more. And uh, what have you missed about like live music? And you know, like when it comes to like the whole like live music aspect since the pandemic, like what did you miss about it? Oh, it's just it's so much more fun to get out there and like 
you could write a million songs and then have like a million people on TikTok that fuck with you. But if you can't get on stage, then that's where you're really lacking. Cause that's, it, that's the person personal thing. Like, you know, there's so much more um, interpersonality going on yeah. here as opposed to when, you know, you and I were just on zoom. Like, yeah. it's so, um, I think it's just like also like reading the body language, like knowing like the interest, like knowing how to like communicate eye contact as well too. Because like when you're looking, like as you said, like when you're looking at a computer or like a, at a phone, it's like, am I knowing the person's like body language like easily and all that? Do I know if they feel like comfortable like in that sense too? Because like even in that sense for live shows too. Because when you go to a live show and perform, like you definitely know that the artists or like the people like in the crowd might feel comfortable, like they're enjoying the night and all that. If you notice something that's wrong, I think nowadays too, like more artists are stepping in to make sure that everyone's okay, that like no one's getting like violated or hurt, like in that sense too. So no, I definitely like understand. Yeah, no, true. You know, like like I said, like when I'm there at the show, like everyone's there to have a good time, make sure of that. But then on stage, like I like to go crazy. Yeah. You know, I've blown blood vessels on performing and stuff, and like my set gets really intense. But I always make sure that like everyone's cool with like all the stuff that I do, and like no one ultimately like got hurt or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's so much, it's just so much more of a, a like a next level. Like that helps make you a better artist. Like you can really find out who you are, especially if like the crowd does not fuck with you like you're at like i've done like metal shows rock shows just all types of shows and it's like if the crowd is not there for you and you're opening up and they're not fucking with you you got to make them fuck with you like yo from the back of the room come to the front like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like spit on you or anything you know like you know it it helps like just boost yourself up like you find out who you are most definitely i just want to add this question to uh add this question in like in that sense too so who was like the biggest artists that you've actually opened up for and who were like some of like the best artists or like the worst artists that you like opened up for like in like all aspects? <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, on cue, I haven't, I started putting on my own shows um, after a couple of like opening ups for because there's always like the big ask, especially around that time too. Um, I opened up for Mac Lethal uh, back in the day, and that shit was... uh, Even Mac Lethal was not happy with that show. Um, And just the promoter did a really bad job of promoting it. So um, I I didn't even, like... I didn't even meet him or anything. So, um, but yeah, On Cue was a great show um, uh, to open up for. And then, yeah, I've just kind of done mainly my own thing, you know, just um, spent more time trying to book my own shows and and that sort of thing. But I would would love to continue booking shows and then have bigger artists on the bill. I mean, I've I've got to work with so many dope local artists, though. That's the thing. So um, having those connections and, um, you know, working with artists in another province having them on on your bill and you just get to yeah. you know say that you you work with with these people and um you know the the network connects a little bit more no most definitely yeah
and you know like even in terms of your growth too because you've been like doing this stuff for so long but do you feel like you've grown like as an artist from like the start of your career like until now 100 percent. you know uh i mean i think i started a little bit later than others um but i was just so um not sheltered but insecure about my rapping that i just didn't want to put things out for a long time so i just spent years like focusing writing on my uh, writing my raps and then you know tell telling people that i'm that i rap but then not never being able to tell people i'm a rapper until like you know once i dropped life of the party i kind of started feeling like oh this is actually something like i'm i'm doing so um but yeah it real growth from from the start of it to to now man oh true no most definitely and you know even with the current mainstream i've seen uh, right now i feel like there is a lot of stuff that's actually going on uh, right now i mean with the rise of like tiktok you know even uh, making it bigger like for like a lot of artists too i mean you know Nicki minaj's uh, rise like as an artist like coming back especially with these new acts like you know with ice spice and pink Panthers and like lotto and all those other people too and then with like certain rock bands coming back like you know maniskin and like I think uh, Glass Animals uh, too, and then I think uh, Machine Gun Kelly uh, going to like punk and rock at that one bit too. Uh, but um, what are your thoughts like on the current sound uh, right now, like on the current mainstream music scene? Do you feel that there is like a lot of like uniqueness today, or do you feel like it's more like recyclable, like when it comes to like the different sounds and like songs? Yeah, I think it is very recyclable, um, and very like stagnant and it's kind of been stagnant and there's like a, a rinse and repeat method of of doing stuff and um i mean i saw a thing talking about how you know the reason why like rap is not like it's now under it's not the top selling genre anymore because like yeah. maybe like people feel that there's not really like any originality or like ingenuity going on with with yeah. stuff um and I mean, I definitely feel that artists talk about how um, they just want to collaborate, just have this person on their track, and then they'll that person will do a feature, but it has nothing to do with the song. And so then other people are changing their their songs based on like they're just featuring for featuring. They're not featuring for like like the genuinity and like you know even being open to like working with this person and like learning from them like in that sense too. It's more so. Like, hey, I have a placement that I've worked with, like, Cardi B or, like, Lil Baby or, like, uh, you know, Drake or, like, Future, you know? Like, just, like, in that sense, too. Yeah, like, they're, I, I'm a big proponent of having people on tracks that can bring something to the track, yeah. right? Like, that's sort of my, I had a dream I didn't have eyes is, like, most of my other projects from before only have, like, a couple features. Um but this one has a, a slew of features and they're all kind of people that I feel could bring something to that sound, to add something, to, to yeah. make a sonic experience. Yeah. And I feel like people really are lacking a sonic experience now. Like for me, I have a hard time finding new music. Um, yeah. and it's not to say that there's not good new music out there. I'm just having a harder time finding it. Yeah. Um, Slow Tie is definitely one of my favorites right now. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean, too. And I think with some people, like, it's more so developing, like, you know, other artists that 
they can get them to like number one like in that sense too so like the incentive of like pushing like a new artist uh, nowadays it's kind of like zero to none unless like they have that hit record so it's more so all right if we have like an artist uh right now that we could already develop to get them to that number one spot we could do that so and i think uh, one example would be like steve lacy uh, for a bit too because like steve lacy he's been making music since like 2014 2015 when he was like still like in high school and all that him being like in the internet and all that and then he didn't really get his like rise to fame like until like last year with uh bad habits and all that and it is like very like understandable too because i think um a lot of people do kind of prefer that and you know like his biggest record was like back in like 2018 2019 and all that but when it came to bad habits it's like hey it's something that kids can listen to you know that we can reach we can we can reintroduce like a certain artist to like the audience in that sense too to kind of get that memory and then get those like new listeners while having like those old listeners come back to enjoy it like same with SZA too because like even with SZA like her last album was like beating me like back in like 2017 and it was like one of the biggest like albums or like records like up to date like people were listening to it but then like between 2018 to like 2021 she wasn't like really releasing anything of importance you know she was kind of like more so for, for social media and like that time period it kind of changed because of like TikTok because the pandemic and then when it came to 2022 you know hey I'm ready to drop an album and all that like I'll have these songs and when I get the green light you know you know I drop that album and then reintroduce my like my old fans to my old music to get them to enjoy while introducing like this new sound to like new fans and all that so I definitely see like where music is going right now so it's more so like reintroducing certain artists rather than bringing like new artists like on in that sense yeah no that that is the cool part you know when when post malone does a song with ozzy osbourne and then everyone gets to go and and look up who ozzy osbourne is and they're like oh my god like black sabbath what and then it opens up a whole new lane right i i like i i'm i'm a big fan of that or like shows like stranger things when they yeah. introduce metallica yeah there's no gatekeeping. Like Metallica yeah. is a great band. Why would you want to keep that secret? Yeah. Like, and like a, a new artist could be like hit or miss uh, nowadays too, unless like they actually have that genuine sound that people can like definitely like atone to. But I feel like nowadays too, with like the record labels and everything and everyone else too, because with a lot of the uh, like bigger and like mainstream artists like already like releasing music and taking breaks, you know, like they need someone to pump more money into it and like hey, we have these artists, like, on our labels that we could definitely, like, pump into now to get, like, the audience introduced to them. And I feel like nowadays, too, it is, like, more forced because, like, imagine, like, you're just putting, like, this new artist on with not a strong caliber caliber or, like, a level of respect that they can attain an audience. But, you know, we have to force it out because, you know, we need to kind of get the money to kind of make uh, more records, more dollars, more awards and all that. And then they're not really focusing on the people that are actually like helping like those artists out, like that are actually helping like the label out, which is like the bigger artists too. So I do feel like there is like a lot of like open like realms and wounds that kind of have like those effects like on the current mainstream sound and all that. So yeah. Yeah, and and the record label now more than ever is um is cashing in on the TikTok vi- virality, right? <laughs> like um you could have an artist that's like just popping off, but this might be their first song. And then they're like, all right, cool. Do that again. And 
they're just milking them and then they'll just discard them later. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of times it's like artists are not always meant to, to be discovered right away. Like just there are stuff, there's stuff in the ether that I don't want people to listen to cause it's dog shit. And like, I'm happy that like no one found yeah. that. Right. Wow. So it's like, I had a chance to grow as an artist and now I'm proud of the stuff that I'm putting out. And that's the stuff that I want people to listen to. Yeah. Right. Some artists don't get that chance. Yeah. No, I'm definitely man. And like, just even with this question too, like, would you see like finding a way to make your song go viral on TikTok is a fair, creative, effective, like marketing stra strategy proposal or for artists? Or do you feel like it would diminish like one's artistry, like in that sense? For me, it diminishes it because when I hear that same TikTok song on the radio, I'm like, I mean, turn that fucking shit off, man. Like, that's that's a fucking TikTok song. Yeah. Like, that's a trending TikTok sound that I can use to boost my videos for the algorithm. That's all that is. Um, I don't really, like, picture it as, like, a real song, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, and there's a lot of the time there's gimmicks behind that yeah. shit. Like, and making your song go viral, like, what does that mean? Um are you writing to make your song go viral? I like, feel I feel like in that sense too, it's just kind of like, you know, with attention spans and everything else too. Like a lot of songs nowadays are like less than like two minutes uh, nowadays too. It's like a one minute or like 50 second song and all that. Like with the same loop, same like chorus, same like sound, same melody, same pitch. And it works for people that want to dance or have fun. And then they'll only use like that whole like 15 second clip to kind of get people to dance or do their thing and all that like you know there's like even with serious like some like there's like tiktok radio and like they'll play like the certain songs that are like famous on tiktok but most people would only tune into like that 15 seconds like more than like anything too and like with some artists like, like they're even like tired as well too because like imagine like you know with charlie xcx or like someone like ed sheeran they have to go on tiktok to make content rather than to create the craft and like even they're like tired of the even they're like tired of it as well too you know so yeah creating content is uh is is stupid um you know there there used to be a time where you could just sit back and and just create and, and be an artist and yeah. <clears throat> that happens so much now where people are forced forced to, to spend so much time creating content yeah. that their song writing is now lacking or they yeah. don't know how to like continue to push themselves because they're just spending all of their all of their time creating content um that's why like my content on tiktok is i don't give a shit if i have an idea to talk to my audience i'll talk to my audience and the people that follow me they follow me and they feel the same way that i feel or they'll communicate with me and they like what i put out at least that's what yeah. i think um yeah yeah like in that sense too like you, you kind of make more endorsements and money like even with that sound too but it really doesn't do anything and all that because, like, if that's not, not like your main purpose, like, you know, like an AR an ANR's uh, job is to kind of make that s supposed like content to get people to tap in with the artist. It's not like really the artist's job to kind of make the content. It's more so I make the song. If it goes good, it goes good. Like if it doesn't go well, I'm gonna make another song and all that and all that. You know. So yeah, I mean, um, my girlfriend Melodica, she just dropped a song. Uh, I'm on it, but. Um, we've just spent so much time building our fan base that like we let the fan base decide and yeah. everyone showed up for it. They were like, we love this song. This is the best. And they just kept putting it on rotation. Yeah. So something like that is much more organic and just much more real, you know? Um, 
this, the game now is just pay to play. So if you want, you could just hop on and pay $5,000 to a company that's going to put your song <clears throat> on a sports influencer or something like that and then push it out that way. But the way we've been doing it is just so much more organic and, uh, you know, it means so much more when the fans actually show up. Nah, most definitely, man. And it leads to another question about, like, you know, AI and advanced uh, technology. Um, I don't know if you've uh, listened to uh, that whole, like, Drake and Weekend song on Twitter, you know, <laughs> Heart on My Sleeve, like, you know, like, on Selena and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. Um, I only heard, like, the snippets that were Not going true. around, but I did hear about the, the whole, like, yeah they're taking it down yeah. and it's like it's causing this whole kerfuffle now people yeah. do not know what to do yeah i think uh you i think they made like a pact or i think like more so like you know like a set and like a set standard like that certain people should not or like ai companies should not take certain like artists like vocals and like make them into like recreated sounds without like permission and all that too and like you know it's been seen with like munch it's been seen with you know, Bryson Taylor's, like, Don't Song, like, all these other songs, too. And, you know, in your opinion, how do you feel about AI and, like, the use of advanced technology to, like, making its way to playing a part, like, in the music on the music industry based on, like, recreating, like, actual vocals to make certain songs and the use of, like, Chad GBT, you know, for songwriting purposes? Do you feel like it might take over for the use of artists in that sense, too? Or do you feel like a human has to be there to kind of create the songs in that sense? I mean, a human doesn't have to be there at this point yeah. now. Like, we're enjoying songs that we've got that are AI. Um, I don't think it's going to ever fully take over. <clears throat> what this is causing now is just a level of, like, people want authenticity because everything is just so, uh, like, fucked in that regard. Yeah. Um, using chat gpt to write your songs is a is akin to using a ghostwriter oh, and if you're open about it i don't think it should be a problem yeah. but like if you're a rapper and you're using chat gpt and be like i wrote these bars you're like you fucking didn't you fucking buy it <laughs> yeah. i got here <laughs> like you know so <laughs> that's the same that's how i equate it right yeah but i feel like in some cases too like it might be like stealing like someone so work in that sense too like let's say like you know someone uses your vocals and you know, they recreate to, like, you know, use somebody by, like, Kings of Leon or Smells Like Teen Spirit by, like, Nirvana. So it's, like, you know, Crossdown did, like, a cover song to Nirvana or to, like, Kings of Leon, even though it's just only your vocals, but more so, like, sped up. Like, how would you feel, like, if a, situ a situation like that would happen to you and, like, you had, like, no authorization to even, like, make those songs in that sense? Uh, yeah, that's weird. Um... Personally, I mean, for me, I mean, like, I'm putting my voice out there. People have heard my voice. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's kind of out in the ether for people to manipulate and do whatever they want. Then then the Otis is on the other people to actually, like, use their brains and, yeah. and look up if, like, that's real. I mean, that would be cool to be, um, yo, Crossed Out did a, a Smells Like Teen Spirit yeah. <laughs> cover. Like, if... You could kind of use that to gauge reaction, too. It's like, all right, cool. Do people actually want me to do a, a Smells Like Teen Spirit cover? I will. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so, I mean, it's a tool. Everything's a tool, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, but I feel like even with some artists, too, like, just to add in, like, they don't want to feel like they're, like, recreating the songs or, like, doing everything like that because now, like, that onus is on them to say, like, hey, I authorized this. Hey, I didn't authorize that. So 
I feel like it's more so like the issues within consent and issues within understanding. Do I do I approve of it? Do I not like approve of it? Like in that sense too. So it is like just con- like common logic, like as you said too. So yeah, people if they hate you, they might get you to say some inflammatory shit uh, regarding like you know some things, and and then that could land you in some hot water. But yeah, yeah again, like you know, it's uh, it's on you to be like. First of all, I didn't say that, and if you believe that I did, then um, I can't help you. Yeah, no, most definitely, man. You know, just getting more onto, like, the non-musica-related topics, like, I think, like, these might be, like, very, like, interesting to talk about. You know, in previous tweets, you know, you mentioned that people made, like, homophobic and, like, transphobic slurs at you as a teenager due to your, like, clothing style back then because, you know, you were into the whole, like, punk, you know, emo, goth, like, type style, like, back in high school. And nowadays, too, it's more, like, relaxed uh, nowadays for people to be open to wearing, like, certain clothes. So, like, even in that situation, too, do you feel that the idea of acceptance and conformity is more so a double standard depending on the times at that time, too? Like, for something that was, like, not accepted, like, back then, now it's accepted now. And, like, the people who were doing it back then, they're not really getting that same respect now as they were. Like, well, they're not getting that same respect back then as they were, like, now in that sense. Yeah, it's um it's interesting um because being emo is trendy now. But that shit was not trendy back in the day, right? Like you got made fun of. Um and people made fun of you for listening to that type of music. And yeah, like I went through a phase where I wore I wore women's pants. They're blue, they're pink, they were red. I wore like other like like just tight Skinny jeans, tight, like very much the scene. I had shutter shades, but also like the context matters too because I was I grew up in in Campbellford. Like, I love my hometown. Shout out Campbellford, but uh, in a town of three thousand people, there's not a whole lot of diversity that goes on, and like your exposure is very minimal. So when someone like that is dressing like that, they're like, "Yeah, it was called '90s f words all the time." And, um, you know, all, all other kinds of stuff. So, um, I take that shit seriously. Um, um, but yeah, being today, I think there is more of, um, a dress however you want kind of mentality, but there is still, still always that people will be like, yo, what the fuck are you wearing? Yeah. And, um, there's always going to be those people I think that are like, what the fuck are you wearing? And with that said, it's like. If you are wearing something outrageous, you have to be able to take the heat for wearing something yeah. outrageous. Like, you can't just be like, why are people bullying me for wearing something outrageous? Yeah. Like, well, hey, man, like, you're not exactly dressing, like, you know, how people make, uh, like, are comfortable with, which is fine. You're allowed yeah. to do that. But, you know, take the, take what comes with it. Yeah, no, most definitely. Because, like, I think one example, too, you know, Dennis Rodman, like, back in the 90s to... Like, early 2000s, you know, his hair was, like, green, blonde. You know, he was dressing, like, he was wearing, like, dresses and, like, Sports Illustrated and, like, ESPN uh, magazines and all that. And, you know, like, he he was hanging out with, like, Madonna and, like, all those other people uh, back then. Like, Carmen Electra, too. And, like, you know, people really didn't see him as, like, a high-value man or, like, an alpha male at, at that time, too. Even with his caliber, like, on the net and all that. But I feel like at that time a lot of people were, like, kind of, like, misunderstood on, like, the way they were dressing like that and, like, the idea that they want to put out because, like, I don't... I felt like with uh, Dennis, you know, he didn't want to be someone 
that people like outlooked him like as just like a typical like an NBA player. You know, he's like someone that's like full of life, full of like energy too in that sense. And I see it with a lot of people who want to not conform to like the mainstream lifestyle. It's like, you know, you want to have like originality with your sound and with your uniqueness. So like even with clothing and even with like swagger, like it definitely like kind of works out from there. And it's either people like it or people don't like it, you know, like, but still, you're still going to be the one wearing the same clothes. So it doesn't really make a difference. No, it doesn't. And and it's more important that you judge people based on their character, right? Like, you know, the most, the people that wear some of the more outrageous stuff, like, you know, punks and metalheads, you know, their battle jackets or their their mohawks, you know, punks and metalheads are some of the most coolest people in the fucking world. It's the people that are wearing the suit and tie that are going to backstab you and, most of the time, in my know, experience. And, like, living, like, a double standard, too, you know? Like, the Bay Street uh, guy, you know, being, like, anti-drug, you know, being yeah. monogamous, but monogamous in that sense, too. Like, he's, like, doing, like, lines of coke at night or lines of coke, like, every other day. And then, you know, he has, like, you know, a sugar, like, a baby, like, on the side, too. So... <laughs> You can't really, like, judge the other po- uh, person. It's, like, calling, like, the pot. Like, uh, let me say, rephrase this. It's the pot ke- calling the kettle, like, black in that sense, too. Yeah. So. No, it definitely is. And and no one is above the law. Everyone has some blood on their hands. Like, if you think that you can just throw a stone at someone and expect, like, that you are, like, relieved of all of your sins, you're fucking wrong. Yeah. Um, and I hope people come back at you. 10 times harder um and so that's i don't judge anything and if you if you want to live your life in whatever way as long as it doesn't hurt other people don't care like that's Uh that's how i feel almost definitely and you know with these other topics as well too you know be uh bill c70 c11 you know with the whole like idea of like freedom of media and like cancel culture like how do you, how do you feel about those like specific topics uh, nowadays too with council culture and like the bill C eleven like within like the Canadian uh, federal government system? Um, this shit makes me angry. Um, and it's hard to like talk about it to to other people because a lot of these issues now that are going on are such hot button issues that um there are some people that you think are friends that you just that will discard you. Uh, instead of actually talking about them, but for me as an artist, when anything it comes when it comes down to like anything regarding like a censorship laws, hate speech laws are relatively ambiguous here. Um, like, what does it mean? Um, anything that's like, as an artist, I believe that you should be anti censorship in whatever form because. It is your job to push the envelope slightly and get people to think uh, a different way than what would be your conventional way of thinking or like what. It's your job to expose people to a different way of thought and hopefully enlighten people. You know, that's what I try to do in my music. I, I mean, I just ultimately I spread my ideas and my my thoughts, my philosophies, and my life experiences in my music, and if people can relate to that, then I'm so happy. But I would I would tell anyone to go fuck themselves if they told me I can't talk about that in my music. Like, no. if I can't talk about that, then explain to me why I can't talk to talk about that. Yeah. You know, um, 
I think we should talk about that. I feel like in that standard too, it's, you know, more so like showing our respect. I feel like with what they're doing with the government, it's more so like, hey, you have to show these certain groups uh, respects, like if you wish to like respect them, like in that sense too. So maybe like a certain group that maybe some people might not like align to or accept, but I feel like with some people, they'll play a neutral, like show the respect one way or another, but I don't align my views with other people. So I can understand like why Bill C-11 would be within that sense too. But like in any other uh, case too, like as you said, like freedom of expression, you know, everyone has the right to free speech, to right to show someone like on what they view even if the view might not be as acceptable for like the mainstream society and all that too. So, Yeah, you have the right to freedom of speech as long as you're dumb enough to not actually try it. Um, yeah, but with the whole respect thing, like respect begets respect. Like if you respect me, I respect you. Like you and I have the most respect right now. You haven't done anything to me yeah. to like warrant yeah. that I disrespect you, yeah. nor I hope I haven't done anything yeah. to you to warrant to disrespect yeah. me. Like that's how that should be, right? Yeah. And we're on a level playing field. Everyone should just have a level playing field. Yeah. And then like when yeah. you do something that's disrespectful to humans, then you go down yeah. notches. Yeah. No. That's how I view it. Yeah, no, most definitely. Because I feel, I feel like, as you said, with some people uh, too, like their respect uh, value like kind of aligns with what you know, their empathy standard is for certain groups and all that too. So like, let's say like I could give an example too, you know, with, um, you know, the Muslim community and all that, you know, like some people will have like a neutral respect, you know, for Muslims, like in that sense too, you know, because the regular people that kind of live, breathe, drink, eat the same foods as we are, like maybe just within like different, like religious like practices uh, too, like they might not eat certain things that we might eat, but like, they're the same people just as like you and me and all that but with others it's like you know you don't eat pork or you pray like several times like a day and all that or you know you have to do like a set of fasting like every other day or if the people in like your country or in your area believes in like whole like a radical thing that we don't align with you know like our level of respect uh, goes down so we can't really see you see you as like human too so in that sense too, like, I feel like there is like a little bit of a problem, like when people kind of view the respect. So it's kind of like teaching them and like understanding them, like, Hey, the certain levels of respect are kind of like the same thing. It's just, you know, maybe if you don't like align with those views, you don't have to align them, but like not everyone should be forced to align with like your own viewpoints in that sense too. And that, that's the same for every, everybody too and all that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely like, um, I think if you're just a nice person, you're you're a nice person. Like that's what people should would should strive to be. Like regardless of their religion. Like I said, like I believe that if you're not doing anything to hurt or impede anybody in their life, then you should be able to do whatever you want. Um, that's like just the anarchist view of of life. Like you know, just do unto others as you would do unto yourself, man. No, most definitely, man, and. We just have like some of these uh, questions uh, to go with. Uh, I think we already uh, dabbled on with uh, social media, so I think that's already good from there. But, um, you know, I never really talked about like, you know, your favorite television shows, movies and like podcasts and such. So do you have any television shows, movies, books or podcasts that are like your favorite that you would like recommend uh, for the like audience in that sense? Um, favorite TV? I don't watch too many TV shows. Movies definitely like anything like eighties related. Oh, like true. you throw on an eighties movie, I'm I'm definitely down. Like Breakfast Club, 
Let's like do a it. Rocky or like E.T. that type yeah. of stuff too. Yeah, anything, anything eighties. Um, old school Star Wars fan. Ah, oh, true. Uh, I'll I'll count the the one, two, and three as well, but I I won't count the the seven seven eight nine. True. Um, those ones. Um, books. I've been reading a lot of um, Kafka lately, just because that's sort of the whole premise around my album. It's very Kafka-esque, very like um, dark, um, delves into a lot of nihilism type of stuff. So uh, anything Kafka, I'm a sucker for now. Um, I've just been, my latest book is uh, is Cujo, going back and reading some classics. Oh, so by Cuj- Stephen King, got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, by Stephen King, yeah. Um, yeah, books, podcasts. Um, Oh, there's some. There's a fucking dope podcast called um, "The Fall of Civilizations." Oh, true. And it it's like three hours, four hours, and it just goes and just talks to you about how like the Incas came into being, um, or the Khmer oh, Empire true. came into being, and then how they like uh, blew up, became a superpower of the world briefly, and then how they just died out. And it, oh, it's true. super interesting to how to see how these people and these cultures like influenced the societies and like what they contributed and how we're still using that shit today. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's that's probably if anyone has not heard of that, fall of civilizations. No, most definitely. Yeah, man. And uh like how do you deal with your mental health as like a person of your in your position? With everything going on in your life, have you ever felt like at times it could be like overwhelming? Uh, a time like what? Like, you know, with mental health, like with everything going on, like in your life, you know, whether it's music, your personal life, have you ever felt like at times it could be like overwhelming in that sense? Yeah, it gets really overwhelming. Um, I used to almost just um, disassociate a lot when it came to those type of things um, and just quit. Um, if I didn't get it right the first time, now I'll just, I'll take a break. I'll come back to it later. Um, exercise has been really great for me uh, over the past couple of years. I've just gotten more and more into going to the gym or going for a run. And, um, I treat that almost the same way I treat my music career. I'm mentally aware or making notes of where I'm at and like tracking it and like how I can improve the next time what's another exercise that I can do or like man I wasn't able to lift this much weight before now I'm able to do it you know it's the same thing man I wasn't able to like spit like that a year ago and and now I can now I can do that like that's that makes me so happy if for no other reason that makes me happy and then that's sort of a a mental health boost but definitely just getting outside is is always Always good for your mental health, man. Nah, most definitely. And you don't have like any regrets or anything like that? Oh, I mean, I got I got a ton. I mean, uh, as you approach like older, you kind of start thinking about all the shit that you could do differently. So I still picture myself wildly young uh, and people think of me much younger. So uh, I'm still trying to do all the shit that I want to do. Um tours and music wise i got a laundry list of artists i want to work with and uh i just i don't want to slow down for for anything you know it can be really hard out there especially given like the economy to keep going um but 
just the the constant what's the next little thing I can work towards? And then, like, it's just a steady ladder, and then eventually you're 10 years down, and you're like, oh, shit, look at all the stuff I've done. Yeah, no, most definitely. And do you have any, like, cl- closing remarks you'd like to say? Um, yeah, fuck fake people, man. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. Um, no, just stay, and, and stay true to yourself. I think, like, if you're a true artist, you know who you are, or you should at least strive to be who you are. Um, strive to learn who you are as an artist um, and then go with that. Don't let anyone tell you that you are something that you're, that you're not, that that shit's just like not true. Um, most of the time people that try to crab bucket you down are just afraid to afraid of themselves and afraid of their lackluster talent. So nah. fuck those people. <laughs> nah, most definitely man. Like, you know, crossed out, you know, uh, thank you for coming by again, you know, for the very first time on the podcast, second time, uh, like on the platform, you know, so it's good either way, you know, and, uh, for people, uh, tuning in right now, you know, thank you for watching, uh, this episode that will be dropping soon. You know, it'll be dropping on all projects, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Buzzsprout, much more YouTube as well too. Like if you're watching via YouTube, you know, give a review like on apple Podcasts. like if you definitely can uh, for this one you know it's an amazing podcast uh, right now we definitely have like more coming the 30th will be coming soon so like once you see that 30th you know we're only going up from there you know and this is josh also known as yashu with the legendary crossed out what up episode 29 of tlo talks signing off <laughs>